The name of the message is Minimum versus Maximum. Minimum, everybody say minimum, minimum versus Maximum. All right, we ready to make the devil nervous? Hey, grab your Bibles, hold them up. Let's get our Bibles, however you got it. This is a weapon to Here be we used go. against the Say, enemy. Here we go. Say, this is my Bible. This is my Bible. I can have. I can have. What the Word of God. What the Word of God. Says I can have. Says I can have. I can do. I can do. What the Word of God. What the Word of God. Says I can do. Says I can and do. And I am. And I am. What it says I am. What it says I am. Woo. Father, we love you. We thank you for your Word. It is not just ink, but it is living Word. And so we just put in the living Word inside of us. And, Lord, we thank you that you watch over your word to perform it. So, Father, that makes your word so valuable to us. You perform your word. So we want to know what your word says. We want it inside of us. So when things rise up in our life, we have your word on it that you are performing something on our behalf. So, Father, we just thank you that today's word transforms, changes, shapes, molds, makes our faith roots grow deep, and we, as individuals, produce fruit that remains. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Someone said? Amen, amen. amen. Well, minimum versus maximum. That's right. Kind of a cool thing. And uh, so basically, you know, sometimes, you know, on the job site, there's uh, people that, you know, will do what is just Barely, barely required, required. The, minimum, the minimum effort, and, and then there's somebody that does exceedingly abundantly above, and, and the, sometimes you can just get frustrated on a job because it's just like, they're getting paid the same amount for doing nothing as I am for doing more, you know, and so you can get, kind of get this attitude, and then that causes a spiral downward cycle where people end up doing less. And because why should I do more when I don't get paid for doing more? But there's a, there's a, God doesn't operate on that kind of a level. And let's find out what, what, what God says versus minimum versus maximum. What, what does God say? And we're going to Romans chapter 12. This is the famous chapter about transformation, which was our original title. So, yes, we're talking about transforming our minds. Because when we're talking about minimum versus maximum, it has to do with how we think. Because you're not going to be a maximum type of person if your thinking is not a maximum kind of thinking. If you don't think maximum, you're not going to do maximum. Uh, another thing that, you know, I love is, uh, so our oldest daughter's name is Vanessa. Vanessa means butterfly. And so... I know the meaning of butterfly. The meaning means to unfold, to transform, to, to be able to go. If you look at what does a butterfly start out as, does it start out as a butterfly? No. There is a transformation process. And when you are born again and you have Jesus in your heart, we ought to be transforming the rest of our days here on earth. We ought to be unfolding the things of God. And we ought to be going from a minimum person to a maximum person. That's so good. Yeah. You know, as, as a team meeting happened earlier this morning, and if, and if you're not part of team meeting, you can still get involved online and watch the devos that happen. And so, uh, Michelle did a great devo, and she used uh, one of the favorite 
cartoons that I like called it's an ant, ant's life, bug's life. And uh, so she gave an illustration, she showed it, and it was really cool. But one of the things in Bug's Life is this uh, caterpillar named Heimlich. And uh, big chubby caterpillar. And uh, one day he sprouts wings. And he says, look, I'm a beautiful butterfly. <laughs> and so I love that part. And so he transformed. So... So really here cool. we go, Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. But, everybody say but. but. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Do you know we are constantly needing to change the way we think? Then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. And that is such a powerful transformation process that as believers we all need to be striving to go through and be a part of and sign up for. But the reality is transforming our lives is really an individual choice uh, because we can be saved and really not go through mind a new way right. of thinking. Right. We can still be born again spiritually, but we can still have an old garbage way of thinking as a part of our lives. And so we, we don't enter into a transformation of our soul. Right. And so that's the thing where we can really go from a minimal to a maximum kind of a way of thinking and lifestyle. Because how many know God's got so much more for us than we have in store, and I think some of the time, sometimes when I think about heaven and standing before a God, uh, it's just like, Greg, I gave you so much, and you did so little with it, you know, and that's kind of, is a fear, holy fear that I have of standing before God, and uh, so taking this verse seriously is really a, something that I do, and I want to do more, right. and I encourage you all to really think about all the blessings God's given us so that we could do more. There's more in store. There's more promises. There's more blessings. There's more direction. There's more wisdom. There's more anointing than we're just tapping into. Absolutely. So we just need to give God a shot at it, and it begins with transforming our mind. Now, don't turn me out when I say I want to give you a little bit of Greek, okay? Can you handle a little bit? So let's take this word transformed and let's look at what the Greek is. The Greek is metamorpho, and it means to be changed, to become different from one to another form. It is broken into two Greek words. There's the meta, which means change, and the morpha means form. So you put that together, and it is to change the form of who you are. Do you know that God wants to change you continually in form? How does he do that? By, by reading of the word, by in your prayer time, by, by church services, by, by getting the word in you, you are continually having to change how you think. Now, let's, let's go practical. How can we go practical, Pastor Greg? How do we do, what does this look like in our everyday life? Man, I don't know. We've got a couple, couple of well, I do know, actually. When, uh, give you a, an example of 
in my life. Uh, when we were newlyweds, um, got excited, getting married, husband, got this gorgeous wife, and I'm excited. But, you know, the honeymoon phase kind of ended. I mean, know what I'm talking about. And uh, so I just started getting into uh, my routine of just being kind of not a nice husband to live with. And uh, sometimes you think, oh, you guys are showing love. And we are. We are in love. And but we did have one rough year of marriage. We've, had 30, we've been married 35 years, but we've <laughs> been happily married 34. <laughs> and so there's that, that one year that was not a good year. And uh, so, um, you know, is God speaks to everybody a little different. And so I just felt, and not that God speaks to me audibly or in a known way all the time, but this time he did. And so he woke me up in the middle of the night and, and uh, asked me a question. Greg, do you love me? And, of course, I was just like, yes, Lord, I, I love you. And then he said words that changed my life forever. I know how much you love me by the way you treat your wife. Well, that was, I don't it was in the wee hours of the, the night, and I got up, and I knelt, and I wept, and I was repentant, and just seeking God, and, and Starling's sleeping there so peacefully, and I so wanted to wake her up and just hug her and tell her, I'm sorry and repent and for the way I've been treating her, and I want to be a, a better husband, and, and I'm going to try, and I'm going to do things different than I have. But I let her sleep, and but, but, man, as soon as her eyes cracked open, man, I was hovering over her <laughs> and uh, just had this you know, beautiful moment of just, let's try this, let's get a new start in this, and, uh, and it's kind of, kind of took, you know, so I guess you could answer that. When you get God involved, and you transform your thinking, and you decide that I'm going to change daily, now, obviously, in 35 years, that's not like we never have had a disagreement. I mean, if we're not liars as pastors, okay? <laughs> we live the same world you live in. It's not that we don't ever disagree on something, but it changed. It was one change that was transforming who we are and how we treated each other was different. It was different. And so when we're talking about minimum versus maximum, when we were newlyweds, we had of a minimum type of thinking. Let me be real, real uh, vulnerable to help you. When you're at home, a minimal thinking is, this is what we've agreed to as far as the chores. That's a minimum thinking. A maximum thinking is, I've, done, I've gotten done what I need to get done. My spouse might need some help. I'm going to just do this for them. That's a maximum thinking. Like you don't. You don't keep track. Like, you just like, okay, it's my turn to kick in, you know. I mean, every, every home has those kind of things that go on. Like, I do all the laundry. He does dishes. But if the dishes are stacking up and my husband is, is busy, guess what happens? I do dishes. 
Actually, I don't let you do laundry, and there's, there's a reason for that. As I was saying this example, I realized this wasn't a good example because you've shrunk things before. And so he's That's not allowed not to do laundry. It came out a different color. It transformed. And yeah, we have had. It metamorphosized. <laughs> I was tired of those transformations, so I said, can I do the laundry, please? But you all get what I'm talking about. You live in the same world we do. And this is called minimum versus maxima. How does God want your thinking to be in your everyday life? I mean, this is everyday life, right? We all have to do chores. Isn't life just amazing how many chores? You know, when you're a kid, you, you think chores are just something that you're going to get out of when you become an adult? Double up. I'll never forget when my kids moved away from home and they'd call and go, I don't like adulting. I'm like, yeah, welcome to the real world. <laughs> Adulting is hard, Mom. It is hard. You know, and so this process of growing in the Lord and being transformed, it's, it is your choice. And so we can be saved one just newly born-again people, and we have a choice. We can either stay the same and choose not to grow, or we can jump into the process with the Lord, and uh, we can so grow good. and mature. There's a, you know, the Apostle Paul came to uh, the Corinthian church with the heart of growing them up, but after a while being with them, he goes, you know, I can't take you to the next level because you basically all refuse to grow. There's so much God wants to say to you, but I can't give it to you. You know, it's just like when we're going through the process in school, you know, you start out with addition and, and uh, subtraction and then division and multiplication and then, but you got to build that foundation before you can go into algebra and calculus. You know, there's a process. And so Paul was basically saying, I want to teach you all calculus, but you don't even know how to subtract. And so there's that same process that happens as believers that God's got so much more and so we're just so encouraging you, jump on because the life in Christ as he leads us and grows us is so much more, there's so much more available to us when we go to the higher levels from of transformation. From faith to faith and from glory to glory. You know, if you want to believe God for some things, don't, don't start with, I'm believing God for this amazing mansion and you can't even believe God for a bicycle. Are you, are you following me? You got to be going from glory to glory, from faith to faith in this transformation process with growing with God. And you know, that first part of that verse there, I love it. It says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. In other words, you are going to do life different when you walk with God. Did y'all hear that? You're going to do life different than the world. Okay. Let's go back to our story where I was not a good husband. So uh, I was watching sitcoms of family life, married life on television. And one day I'm saying, I'm parroting what I heard the comedy, if you will, on television. I'm using their words passing through me to Starlene. And it... On television, it was funny, putting the spouse down. 
But when I put her down, I didn't get the same canned laughter that came through the television. You didn't get the canned laughter button? <laughs> and it went real flat. And it was like a, a moment of, don't ever do that again. Because that's not the spirit of God on your marriage. That's the customs. And that's what the world is trying to mold us into their way of thinking of putting each other down because that's funny in the world. And the Holy Spirit is like telling us, don't copy their ways of communicating to spouses. God's got a better plan for your marriage than the world's way. So if you feed on that, it's going to come through and it's going to be ugly and it's not going to produce the life I want. And so I had to start, well, God, I got to find out what you think. And you know, when you realize how good God is and how he, when you read the Bible and find out how he talks to you, you're my child, I love you. And there's all kinds of endearing words that the Bible says from him to us. Man, say those things over your spouse and kids. It's powerful stuff. Okay, let's keep going in Romans. Uh, Let's go to verse 3. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Everybody say warning. Warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Well, we could stop there for a long time. (laughs) Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measuring yourselves. Now he's going to tell you how to measure yourself. Not by so-and-so. Well, I'm better than them. Measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. He says, measure yourself by your faith, not by Joe neighbor across the street. You don't measure yourself by others. You measure yourself by the word of God. You're constantly saying, God, change me. If that is not something that you're asking God to do, then I challenge you. You want to be changing till the day you're face-to-face with him. God, change me. Change me. You know, and the Bible says there's so much grace available when we humble ourselves. And God says that if we'll just humble ourselves, he will elevate you in due time. And sometimes his time is different than our time and all that. But the process is don't think you're better than you are. Don't think you've already. How many just realize there's more to grow in, in life, you know, Pastor Jim is like down here, oh man, oh yes, there is more to, and you know, how many know this? The more you know, the more you realize how much you really don't know, you know? You know, and when it says to be honest with yourselves, I bet I'm not the only one who can relate to this, what I'm about ready to say. Sometimes, um, we get ourselves confused with what we think we are or what we think we're communicating. Sometimes we need to take a step back and go, how did that, how did that communication go forth? How did my body language go forth to my child? How did that go out rather than what I think I communicated or what I, you know, when it says don't think too highly of yourself, Does it ever occur to you that even though you may think, because most of us either watching or in this place, we think we have good intentions. Maybe we're kind of silent. 
Are y'all, are y'all out there? I'm getting really real. We have in our brain the best intentions. Well, I meant this, but that may not have been how it came out of you. Well, my heart meant this. Well, that may not have been how it was portrayed. So when we're talking about whether you're on the job or you're in your family life or you're dealing with extended relatives, sometimes we think too highly of ourselves because we have good intentions. Most of us in this place, our intentions are good. But that doesn't mean what's communicated is good. And we have to take a step back and evaluate and go, God, help me to change. If I'm not communicating correctly, then help me to change how I communicate. Help me to change how this goes forth. Last night, I intended to eat a salad. <laughs> but instead, what was that thing? Chocolate, turtle, cheesecake? What was that? What was that, Tom and Karen? Turtle, cheese turtle, turtle cheesecake. cheesecake. Yeah. So my intentions were salad. My reality was turtle cheesecake. And why did my belt have to expand another notch this morning? So, you know, it's like, but I want to judge myself. Well, I tended to eat a salad, so therefore I'm, I'm a good person. <laughs> well, the reality is, no, you ate cheesecake, which was delicious and amazing, and it was wonderful. And I enjoyed it immensely. But sometimes we do that in, you know, I intended to say nice things to you as my wife. I intended to pray. I intended to read my Bible. I intended to go to church. You know, someone said the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Okay. I am really, as a woman, thankful for smartphones that have GPS on them. Because before we had GPS, in our early years, when we were going somewhere, my husband did not like to ever stop to ask for Because that's what I always heard. We don't, I don't need directions. I know where I'm going. Hours later, I'm just being real. The scenic route, baby. The scenic route. Was, was happening. So I am thankful for GPS. Okay, let me help you here. I am thankful that God has given us a GPS and directions for our lives, but if you don't use them, you can still wander around forever. You can even be like the children of Israel today. And wander and wander and wander just like they did. You can wander in your jobs. You can wander in your family life, in your relationships, because you choose not to use the GPS for your life. You're a minimalist. You just choose to do the bare minimum. I'm getting to heaven, I'm saved. I, I've asked Jesus in my heart, but are you living the maximum life that he has for you, or are you choosing to live a minimal life because you won't change how you think? You won't be transformed. You know, and, and it's a th really a three-step process 
when you're lost, when you want to get somewhere, and uh, had to get to this place. My wife had to just coach me on this one thing. Greg, admit you are lost. <laughs> you know, oh, just, you didn't like that one at all. It's hard to admit. Greg, we're in a pasture. We're not in the Walmart parking lot where we need to go shopping. What is wrong? Admit you're lost. Okay. Um, so the number one thing we got to do is just go, I don't have all the answers. That verse says, be honest with yourselves. That is one of the hardest things for us to do, isn't it? To be honest with ourselves. Got so much pride. <laughs> so, yes, okay, we're lost. And then the second thing is you got to identify where you're at. Where am I? Where am I? What, what is going on? And then the third thing is how do I get from here to there? And it's just, it's, it's the process. The things of God usually are really simple. We complicate them. You know, when you realize the teachings of Jesus are really simple, farming, fishing, you know, just everyday stuff, washing dishes. His principles were easy for us to comprehend, but when you get around some teachers, make it so difficult to do godly things. But when we go back to the Bible and the good news of Jesus Christ, it's just simple stuff. And we complicate it, and our life gets in the way, our pride, our, our, our way of thinking. And we think it's too hard to get into the good things of God. And the reality is, it's really simple. And if we'll just humble ourselves and go, God, I'm lost. Can you help me get to where I'm going? And, man, the presence of God will just show up in that moment of just honesty and humility. And he will grab you by the hand, and he will go, let's go. Let's go. Because that's what he's been waiting for from us. Yes. Now, we're going to go back to Romans chapter 12, but we're going to go over to Matthew chapter 12. And like you said, Jesus loved to give examples of basic stuff, farming. And he was always giving stories. Did you, know, did you notice that? Jesus told stories to help us because he was like, I want you to get this. Make it simple. So in in Matthew chapter 12, he starts to tell us how to evaluate ourselves and what kind of fruit, like, should be producing. So here we go in verse 33. It says, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit's going to be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit is going to be bad. And then he makes this really strong statement. You brought snakes. Yes, Jesus said brood. Jesus was sometimes pretty direct. Called them snakes. I don't know about you, but I don't even care for snakes, so to be called a snake would be like. <gasps> so he calls them snakes. How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? Okay, did you just see what he said? He called them evil. He said, how could evil men like you say what is good? He's basically talking to the religious people. There are still religious people today. For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. 
A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. Another passage of scripture says, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. So you may be able to cover up the beast for a while, but it's going to slip out. Because what's in here is going to eventually come out. So the question is, why did Jesus call the... I thought Jesus was always nice. He is. But these people were accusing him of being demon-possessed, and his miracles were done by Satan, and so he's volleying back. You brood of snakes, you know, good things are produced out of good people. And, and, that's, and basically, he was upset with them because they were really complicating the simple truths that God wanted to get into people's lives. And so, yeah, he was just clarifying some really simple things. Make the tree good. Make the tree good. The fruit good. will be good. We yep. were on a walk the other day, and there was a fruit tree, and we're looking at it. It's like, what kind of tree is that? And finally, we identified it as an apple tree, but because it hadn't been taken care of in so many years, it was kind of fruit you wouldn't want to eat, even though you might like apples. You know, and so... It's part of the process of growing is sometimes we find things that come out of our life that we, we like, you know, that was not going to produce some good fruit. We need to trim that off. And back to our marriage, that was kind of a thing. I got to not say the things that I think that are damaging to our marriage and my beautiful wife. So, and so there's a trimming process yes. in order to become a maximum person in our marriage and strive for something better than just doing minimal stuff. There's a pruning to produce good fruit that comes out of our heart, out of my heart. So let's go back to the out of the heart. Let's talk about that for a minute. So I'm going to give you all a secret that I do. And this is a good secret for you. If you are a married person in here, you need this secret. I choose in my heart to think how, I mean, I consciously take time out of my day, throughout the day, to tell myself how amazing this man is. Because I know that out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth will speak. If I in my heart can choose to think about all the things that I'm frustrated with him on, what's going to come out of me? I'm giving away some marriage secrets, and you should be taking notes. This is good. I really do this. So if I am frustrated with him, I consciously start telling myself how amazing he is, and I choose to think on what he does that's amazing. Even when I'm frustrated with something he's doing, I change my thinking because I know that if I don't, that it's in my heart, and it's going to pop out of me. Do you do that every day? I'm not telling you how often I do. <laughs> well, I just tell myself. Um, my nature is to just to be a slob. Come home and just throw stuff around and just let her pick up. So I've had to change not being a slob. And, but there's one thing that's still just kind of hanging on. I don't know why I do it, but I try to not do it. But sometimes, I don't know what you call my little socks I leave by my bed. What do you call those? Black monsters. Yeah. And so I leave my little monsters on the side of the bed. And so I'm not trying not to do that so much. But You've actually really improved on this. 
Yeah. You, you're not a slob anymore. So you, you are not a slob anymore. you don't have to think good thoughts as much and work so hard mentally. To <laughs> but, but it is a process where we're renewing our mind and we're thinking the thoughts. Because if you think the right thoughts, you're going to say the right things. Hello? Yeah. If, if you think God is mean, you're going to have guilt and shame that God is always mad at me because I'm not doing the right thing. But when you think the blood of Christ is amazing... It's powerful. It covers me. It forgives me. It delivers me. And even if we do wrong, God is so patient with us. God is long-suffering. God is merciful. How many are just glad for the mercy of God? You didn't get what you deserved. You know what I'm saying? And so when we start thinking the right things, those are going to start coming out of our mouth. You know, when we start being frustrated with our spouse, for instance, this turned into a marriage seminar. I don't know what happened. But we're, we we'll really wasn't like, intended to be that. You know, um, but it's so key when we just, when at that moment of frustration, if we go, you know, God has given me the right person for my life. God knew exactly what I needed to live this life. And thank you, God. And sometimes, you know, Spouses can be brutally honest with us. Let's let's shift so gears we, a little bit here. Forward. Let's shift gears to where it's going to step on all of our toes. Okay, just 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 go. Oh oh, God help me. This might turn into a healing service. Yeah yeah. Okay, you ready to say God help me? God help me. So when we're talking about being a minimalist or being a maximalist, let's go to let's go to church life. Okay. Do you show up for only your area of ministry? Or are you a maximist like, oh my goodness, it's just same as home. So-and-so is like not winning right now. They need help. That department right now needs, needs some help. Let's just go help them. Are you all there? Are you following me? Sometimes you just have to be in life a whatever-it-takes kind of person. At home, if one, one person is sick, what do you got to do? You got to kick into gear. In the body of Christ, when one, one department is needing some help, you got to just be a body and go, okay, they're, they're not winning over here. Let's help them out. Are you following me? And, you know, if we have that mindset, even in the workplace, which sometimes this is where our biggest testimony and the way we can spread the gospel of Jesus Christ is by our actions. And a lot of times we're in a workplace and we don't even like the people we work with and they're not pulling their weight. But what would be the better thing to do? Help them anyway, right? Well, I'm not getting paid for that. It's not my job. To screw. You know, we can a- analyze and justify and all that. But you got time. You've done your thing. But you can easily help them. I think the Spirit of God would just prompt you to go, just help them. You know they're an idiot, but help them anyway. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And oftentimes it's the very thing that because if you will do the little extra by the Spirit of God and the anointing on your life to work that position and help somebody else out, that can be a bigger testimony than taking your Bible and just going, you know you're a sinner going to hell unless you don't receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'm telling you, that's not going to help. It's just not going to help. But when you go, you know, I see 
you need a little hand with that. And they know you. They know you. They know you go to church. They know you, you don't swear and cuss and you, you talk about going to church and church functions. They know you. And if you act like you care, that's probably more of a witness to win somebody to Jesus. And how do I know that? Because I was the guy with my 50-pound version going to the job site and beating people up on Monday morning for the debauchery they were doing over the weekend. And I wondered why they hated me and played pranks on me and treated me like a dirt bag. And finally, the coin dropped, and I went, oh, if I'm nice and not condemning and help them. And, you know, several of my job friends on my job site got saved and are serving Jesus Christ today because I changed. I changed. They were just living their life. Anyway. Oh, that's so good. Let's talk about uh, sports. If anybody, anybody in here sports-minded? That was like, yes. Like somebody's afraid it's okay to say. It's okay to like if, if you like sports. <laughs> but the question even in sports is, are you a team player or is it all about you? Do you like to be on the court or on the field at all times? And if you're not, you're pouting. That's not a team. That's not, that's not transforming your mind to put others above yourself. You know, it's back to the scripture that says, let's evaluate ourselves. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Whew. You know, are you the, the player that somebody else is going to get the bags? Somebody else will get all the balls. I'm better than that. I don't need to carry balls. I don't need to, I don't need to get the nets. You know, where is God transforming how you think? Are you a servant-minded or are you high-minded? Whoa. Hmm. You know, it's, we just got to sometimes just be. You know, here's a question to ask, and don't raise your hands. I don't want to know. But if someone had a little recorder in your home, are they hearing grace or are they hearing venom? I know it's quiet in here. But if there was a recorder in your home, what would the recorder be hearing? Grace or venom? It's time to be transformed. It's time to stop thinking minimally. It's time to think God's maximum way of thinking. So let's go to Romans chapter 12. Hopefully you're still there. And let's go to verse 9. And okay. we're going to read several verses. But these you ready are... for a lot of scripture? Can you handle it? And how many know the Bible really is practical? Yep. It really is. And yep. sometimes, well, I don't, know, I don't know what God wants you to do. Well, here it is. Here it this is, is how he here wants us to live and behave. So Romans chapter 12, verse 9 through 21. Go. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tight to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Everybody say enthusiastically. Prepare in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Whew, we, could, we could stop there. And keep on praying. 
When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Uh, what? Don't curse them. Pray that God blesses them. Oh, my, this is not the world's way of thinking, is it? Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can do to live in peace with everyone. Now, I will say it said do all that you can do. We all know that it, it said do all that you can do. There are some times when some people just won't budge. Um, dear friends, verse 19, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge and I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Woo, there's a lot there. Isn't the scripture amazing? I think if we just made our homework this Woo. week, just read that section of scripture. Just read that every day. Because it goes so against the world's way of thinking and how they want to conform us into their way of thinking. So we have to renew our mind to this way of thinking. And so much of growing up and being transformed is in being transformed how we treat other people. And so we got to have God's word on it and, and not justify and, and you know, blame and, you know, get into goofy Justifying things. and blaming are not in that passage, is it? So if you have a tendency to justify yourself or blame others, then do a checkup on how right here. It's time for me to change. It's time for me to drink, be transformed. And so this is really saying this is how God thinks. So when you think like God about other people and situations that go south yeah. have God's thoughts, you're going to win. God will make sure you win. So even when people do you wrong, God's saying, let me handle that. Let me jump in. I'll take care of them. You just worry about you doing the right thing. And that's a hard thing for us to do because we feel emotions so strong and we want to memorize phrases like, I don't get even, I get ahead. And so we can create, you know. Only the Grinch can say that. You know, we, we create some issues when God's like, you know, I can't help you in that situation because you're taking matters in your own hand. I mean, oh, God, can, God can fix the thing a whole lot better than you can where everybody wins. It's a win-win. And it's hard for us to let go of stuff. You know, living this Christian life and being a goody two-shoes, if you will, isn't always easy because it goes against our nature and it goes against our flesh. But if we'll humble ourselves, God will elevate you. God will take care of the situation. God will move you out of that situation or move them out of the situation. God has better ways than we do. Trust me. Would you stand? Trust God's Word. Don't even trust me.
Don't even trust me. Trust the word. Trust the word. That's where the power is. It's not in Pastor Greg and Starlene. It's in God. It's in his word. We're just messengers of what God can do and what God wants to do. He wants to take us to living the maximum life, not minimally. If you just bow your heads and close your eyes, just want to give people an opportunity to receive Jesus, or maybe you're just not right with God and you just want to just reconnect and and just give your heart anew to Christ and have a fresh start. God's totally into fresh starts. Maybe we've missed it. That's okay. God's filled with mercy. God's filled with grace and patience. He'll wait, but today's not the day to wait. Today's the day to respond. If you're watching online and you're just saying, Pastor Greg and Pastor Starlene, that's, that's right. I need to surrender. I need to just get God involved in my everyday life and in my relationships. Well, your first responsibility is to get a good relationship with Jesus and invite him into your world. And so I'm going to count to three, and on three, I want you to respond by raising your hand either in this place or online, and Pastor Starling is going to lead us in a prayer. So one, today's your day. Get right. Two, don't talk yourself out of it. Don't let guilt or shame or anything. God is after you. Three, raise your hand in this place and online. Yes, amen, amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God. Thank you, Jesus. Party in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Would you all repeat this prayer with those that have raised their hands? And if you're watching online and you're like, man, I need to get right with God, then would you pray this prayer with me? Say, Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. I thank you. I thank you. For the precious blood. For the precious blood. That you shed. That you shed. For me. For me. For where I. For where I. Have missed the mark. I've missed the mark. I've sinned. I've sinned. Fallen short. Fallen short. And I ask today. And I ask today. That you would forgive me. That you would forgive me. Cleanse me. Cleanse me. And make me new. And make me new. I thank you. I thank you. For your precious blood. For your precious blood. That I am. That I am. New. New. Righteous. Righteous. In you. In you. Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. In your name. In your name. Church. It's time for us to change. It's time for all of us, including your pastors, to say, Lord, change me. I'm going to change till the day I die. And I really challenge all of you to make that a heart commitment. You know, maybe God is challenging you to read Romans 12 this week. Maybe read it every day. I don't know what you're facing, but I know we all need God's way of thinking. Amen.